Chapter Eleven of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Eleven. Wauchope, who hadn't a nerve in his composition, recovered soon after he got into the open air. But in Ransom, without intermission, the magic of that incantation worked. The symptoms of its working were a frightful haste, anxiety, and fear he left wauchope without any explanation and rode off to his appointment at a dangerous speed and with a furious ringing of his bell he was afraid that if he were late by five seconds violet usher would be gone it was incredible to him that she should be there it was incredible that it should have come to this that he should be flying in haste and anxiety and fear unspeakable to meet her at the elm tree by the causeway on wandsworth plain the whole adventure was incredible yet there could not be a better place for it than wandsworth plain a three-cornered patch of bare ground bounded on one side by the river wandle and on the other by a row of brown cottages and two little old inns with steep tiled roofs and naked walls the bell and the crane they were pure eighteenth century and they give to wandsworth plain its lonely and deserted air as of a little riverside hamlet overlooked by time and the borough council on a sunday evening in summer they stand as if in perpetual peace without rivalry without regret very bright and clean and simple one washed yellow and the other chalk white the river runs under brown walls shaded on one side by espalier limes on the other overhung with elder bushes in flower lower down on the banks are willows and alders and the wild hemlock grows there lifting up its great white whorls beyond the farther wall and the limes there is a vast yard stacked with timber beyond the banks a dock and beyond all on the great river unseen a distance of crowded warehouses and grey wharves the elm tree muffled in green leans out over the stream as the lightning bowed it long ago propped by wooden stays mutilated to the merest torso of a tree a sacred thing the elm tree is enclosed and guarded by a wooden railing as in a shrine ransom was ten minutes too early and it was impossible that she should be there yet there she was in her white dress leaning up against the wooden railing as if swept and then left there in her detachment so inaccessible so isolated was she so unaware or so disdainful of the couples the young devotees of passion who had made the elm tree their meeting-place she was there too soon yet about her there was no air of haste but rather of brooding and delay he would have said of her in her stillness that she could afford to wait she was so certain of her end she scarcely stirred from her place to greet ransom as he came he leaned up against the railing close beside her i'm sorry he said i tore like mad did you think i was never coming she smiled with a curious smile no she said i knew that you would come and they stayed there some instinct had impelled him to call at the shop and leave his bicycle with mercier a bicycle was an encumbrance a thing inappropriate to the adventure they stayed while the couples the young devotees of passion stood locked in each other's arms or moved away slowly like creatures in an enchantment linked together and passed into the dusk and in the end his hand sought and found hers secretly behind the shelter of her gown 
and they too passed hand in hand and slowly like creatures in an enchantment they were drawn into the dusk beyond the barrier at the causeway to the footpath by the river when they returned to the elm tree it was all dark and secret there they stood as those others had stood creatures of the enchantment locked with hands on shoulders and faces looking close and seeing each other's eyes large and strange in the darkness over wandsworth plain came the sound of the parish church clock striking ten when they reached st anne's terrace the little brown house where violet lodged was shut up asleep behind drawn blinds violet could let herself in she had a key at least she thought she had she could have been almost sure she had brought it but no it was not in her purse nor yet in her pocket she turned the pocket inside out and shook it and there was no key oh dear she was afraid she had lost it or else perhaps she hadn't brought it after all she was that careless she thought she must have left it in her room on the dressing-table they knocked three times and nobody answered nobody was there they had all gone out early in the evening and evidently they had not come back sometimes violet said they weren't back till eleven or past it well she didn't want to stand out there much longer she wondered how she was ever going to get in they looked at each other and laughed at their helplessness there is always something funny about being locked out ranny said what a lark then he thought of the window it was low he stepped on to the ledge and stood there he slipped the latch with the blade of his pocket-knife he raised the sash and dropped into the room he groped about in it till he found his way into the passage and opened the door and let violet in she said she was all right now her candle would be left there for her on the shelf but it wasn't and violet didn't like the dark she was afraid of it so ranny lit a match he lit several matches and lighted her all the way up the narrow staircase to the door of her little bedroom at the back she took the matches from him and went in to look for the candle leaving the door ajar and ranny standing outside it on the mat he heard her soft feet moving about the room he heard the spurt of the matches and her little smothered cry of impatience as they went out one by one it seemed ages to ranny as he waited at last she found the candle and lit it and set it down somewhere where it was hidden behind the door and then she came to him with her eyes all shining in the dusk she filled the half-open doorway and round and about her and in the room beyond there hung indescribable but perceptible palpable almost as a touch the thick scent of her hair and they stood together on the threshold as they had stood by the elm tree in the dark she closed her eyes and his hold tightened she called his name thickly ranny and suddenly it was as if his very nerves and the strength of his knees dissolved and flowed into water and drawing he was drawn over the threshold don't worry about it ranny it had got to be she said it clinging to him with soft hands as he parted from her for a moment she was moved beyond herself by his compunction his passion of tenderness for the helpless thing she seemed what would have surprised him if he could have thought about it was that above it all above the tenderness and the compunction he still felt that triumphant sense of sanction and completion of acquiescence in an end foreappointed and foreseen but before he could think about it he was overtaken by an astounding and incredible drowsiness he dragged himself home to his attic and his bed where astoundingly incredibly he slept
End of chapter 11. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.